Thanks, it's very good to be with you. Uh, my name is Paul, if you haven't met me before. It's lovely to have you and uh, be with you this evening. Uh, let's turn that into a prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we, we wait upon you and we ask that you would speak to us through your word by your spirit, we pray. Amen. How do you see the good in any situation? Um, it's not very easy at the moment, is it, uh, to see the good in situations? Um, uh, if, uh, if we were looking at the, the start of the university term, perhaps, for some of you, uh, can you see the good in uh, what it is to start a university term uh, in these times, uh, in this way? What good is it going to be if the uh, predictions about the autumn and winter are correct? Uh, what good is there going to be in Christmas this year? Uh, we just passed a hundred sleeps until Christmas. I thought I would share that with you. What good is there going to be? Last week we began talking about finding the good, finding the excellent in um, situations, beginning with this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, where he was praying for them and encouraging them to do exactly that, to see the good in what was happening around them. The message of the letter overall, if you like, was Paul saying to them, I know things are hard for you. I know you face challenges, but you can keep going. You can keep going. And in fact, you can even find contentment. And that is what Paul said, this is what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you'll be able to see the good in what is happening around you. And in this this part of the uh, letter, the next part, he says, it's as if he says, let me show you how I do it. Let me show you how I do it. So the two really go together. And so, in a sense, what we see now is him, uh, it's quite practical. Philippians is quite a practical book in lots of ways. Um, Paul is explaining exactly what he was praying for them. And I used this image last week. I, I put up this image here of uh, uh, just a, the way a kind of photographer draws your eye and the particular lens that Paul has, which I call the Jesus lens. The way he looks at what is going on around him through a Jesus lens is what enables him to see the good in any situation that he's in. So he's going to give us some examples. That's what's going to take up the early part of this um, talk. We'll look at those examples, and then I'll try and draw some thoughts together for us. But the the examples, there's really three, and I'll group them together in two, because the first two go together. And the first two are him, the way he looks around him and rejoices that people are hearing about Jesus. He rejoices that people are hearing about Jesus. If I can read to you verse 12 again from uh, where we began. Uh, He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and, and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul is in prison. Uh, probably in Rome, um, and the situation you can imagine just doesn't look very good for him for, or for the cause of the gospel, of the message of Jesus. It really doesn't look good. It, 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 it can only look from the outside like it's made it harder for the gospel to be made known. Paul, the, 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 the man who had articulated the gospel, had taken it around the different regions, now locked up 
in a prison cell. It has to look like, uh, perhaps, you know, if I use this analogy, the, 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 the best uh, musician in your orchestra or band is suddenly taken out of things. It can only look like uh, it's, it's going to be a loss to the, to the whole. The best uh, or the key member of your team is suddenly lost, even when that team is the Avengers. It looks really bad for the uh, for the whole, doesn't it? It looks like you know how can this how can this help? And Paul says actually two things have happened in the course of this. One, he's been able to preach to the palace guard. Remarkably, the gospel has found its way into the palace uh, through the guards who would have been uh, uh, looking after him, looking after him, uh, keeping him in check. He's been able to speak of Jesus to them perhaps in places that you wouldn't have expected to have been able to communicate the gospel. He's been able to do that. And second, other Christians, do you see that? In verse 14, other Christians have actually become more bold in their faith because of what has happened to Paul. Remarkably, they have been strengthened as they have seen Paul there. So can you see, in, in a fairly sort of straightforward way. There's his Jesus lens. There's the way he's looking through this to see what is going on. He's in prison. You can imagine all the ways that he could have been annoyed and just frustrated. He can't sleep at night. The food is awful. The rats are chewing at his feet. In fact, his whole mission, the way he works, he's not able to go from city to city anymore. The whole way he, he imagined being able to take the gospel around the region, he can't do that. All those ways it could have annoyed him and irked him and frustrated him. But he says, hey, I can see two great things that have come out of this. Jesus has been preached. And fellow believers are just stronger in their faith. That's the first example he gives. Then he goes on. And in a similar um, setting, but a a slightly different uh, situation with, with some rivals that he talks about. You can imagine some people then might say to Paul, well, Paul, there are people making trouble for you as well, even though you're in prison. You do know, you know that, don't you? And he, you can hear him sort of weighing up that, uh, that thought. Verse 15, he says, It is true, uh, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. He's weighing it up. Can you hear it in his voice? He's weighing up. There are, so there are some who preach Christ out of goodwill. They're supportive of him. They, 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 they know the role that he has in, in taking the gospel out. They're really kind of encouraged uh, for him. But there are some who don't like him. And they're causing difficulty. Now you might hear that and think, oh, he must be talking about some group of false teachers, some uh, some group of heretics, whatever word you want to use, some uh, some people who are uh, against him like that. But he's actually not saying that. Uh, He's not saying they're not Christians. In fact, they are Christians, Paul is saying. They're envious of him. They're rivals to him. They're trying to stir up trouble while he's in prison. You would think prison is punishment enough, but apparently not. If I can just put it in today's language, he is talking about Christian tribes. 
If you have, uh, if you have spent any time in any Christian circles, uh, or any Anglican circles, or any evangelical circles, uh, you will know there are Christian tribes. You will know that sadly we excel at this kind of rivalry. We form tribes and then we attack each other and we try and do one another down and often it comes through reinforcing ourselves by, by uh, pushing them down uh, and saying we're not sure they're sound anymore. Can you see how Paul is very different here? He actually, he looks at the situation from, from different angles. He can see it causes him trouble. He can see uh, that they're doing it with, with um, challenging motives and, and wrong motives. But he says, you know what? What does it matter? Jesus is being preached. People are hearing about Jesus. They may say all sorts of things about me, but so long as they get to hear about Jesus, that's what I'm interested in. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? Can you see the second? That's the second example that uh, he has of this. And then um, his third example uh, takes us into the subject of life and death and the situation that he's in. And again, somebody might say to him, well, Paul, what if you die in prison? What good is that? And in verse 19, he says, do you know, I'm actually, I'm convinced that this is going to turn out uh, for my deliverance. The outcome will be good, whatever. Uh, he, again, he says, picking it up, uh, verse 18 and 19, Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope I will be in no way ashamed, uh, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So either he'll honour Jesus in life by continuing to serve him and serve others for him, or he'll honour Jesus in death by dying for the faith. Can you hear him weighing up the situation as he goes on? So for me, he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. I'll continue to serve him. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. He faces the very real possibility of dying in prison. And he is, can you see this? He is modelling for them what it means to have this Jesus lens, just to look at the situation that he is in. So on the one hand, if he does die, he gets to be with Jesus. And we may need to take a step uh, uh, in our minds to, to see how real and good this is for him and for anyone. A life with God with no more pain or suffering. I don't know whether he was physically beaten up, whether uh, prison had really taken its toll on him. But for Paul, there is, there is no comparison. Resurrection hope is greater than anything uh, in this life. The mental, physical challenges uh, of living in this world. However good life may be now, it is nothing compared to being with Jesus. But on the other hand, if he lives, he gets to continue serving them, which he longs to do. He longs for them to grow in their love and understanding of Jesus. He gets, to, he gets to be with them, to help them in their faith, and he wants them to grow and he wants to encourage them. Um, 
imagine for a moment um, uh, you are somebody who works for a really great prime minister or president, and you love working for them. Can you imagine that? Imagine that uh, you're, you, you work for them and you hear this possibility that uh, you might be asked to be an ambassador for them. Now, on the one hand, uh, if you aren't chosen to be the ambassador, you get to stay and you get to work with that president or, or prime minister and you get to stay in their orbit and stay with them and, and, and work alongside them and that's great. And if you are sent as an ambassador, you get to go and represent that prime minister or president. You get the honour of being able to represent them and everything they are. And that is great. And Paul sees his situation in, in that kind of way. Do you see the weighing up of those two options and seeing through a Jesus lens what he can do for him? So that is how Paul is uh, viewing his, the situation he's in, the examples. Can you see the way he's working? He's saying to them, can you see, this is how I think about things. Uh, we looked at his prayer last week, um, and it may well have been that some of you were thinking, uh, really, Paul? As in me? Really, Paul? Is it, Paul is, the apostle, is praying this prayer. Really, Paul? Is, is that what he means when he says, uh, I want you to discern what is best? Doesn't he mean perhaps that we, are, uh, we just need to, to know, I don't know, the wise way to live or, or have the right kind of guidance or um, just know what a good and godly thing is at any given point? Really, is that what he's saying? But can you see Paul is modelling for them. He says, look, I am praying this for you. that You will see what is good. You will approve what is excellent. And then he models it for them with these, just the succession of things that he talks about. Philippians is a really personal letter. As we go through, we'll see more and more. He, at various points, he will, he will allude to different examples for them. And in chapter three, he will say, copy me. Copy me. And anyone who does this. So our focus as we draw some of this together is less on the specifics of, of prison that he was um, in, for example, and more on the principles. What do we need to do? If we're going to be like Paul, well, to weigh up a situation and see it through a Jesus lens. It's easy to say and hard to do. So in every situation, Paul looks at it. Can you see from different angles, the way he's written this uh, to them, he doesn't just go with his gut response. He doesn't just go with his gut response. He looks at it and says, where is Jesus advancing in this? Now, when I say that, don't mishear me. Paul isn't saying, oh, just pretend everything's fine. Put a smile on your face. Put up a front. Put up a mask. Not that kind of mask, but, you know, don't, he's not saying that. He's not saying, hide that away. Think about it. Prison must have been a huge hardship. Prison in the first century? But Paul is looking for the good things that are happening for the Christian cause. Rival tribes must have been really tough. I know a few things more draining than rival tribes in any kind of organization that you're involved in, where tribes attack one another. Paul is most interested in how people are hearing about Jesus. I wonder, would we dare to say, what does it matter? Jesus is being preached. 
So there is a real encouragement here. And I, I, I find myself thinking, you know, come on, Paul, are you, are you sort of, are you really trying to get at them? But actually, he comes, comes, can you see he comes alongside him and says, I'm praying this for you. Let me just show you how I think this through. I'll give you some worked examples. Let me encourage you. Jesus can work in any situation. Jesus can work in any situation. So if we come out of lockdown, great. There'll be people that we can see, more people that we can perhaps get alongside and encourage and get to know and uh, talk about Jesus with and just encourage them in their faith. If things get tighter, if things get harder, well, I look back. I look back on these past few months. I did a sort of mental exercise to try and look back on the past few months. When the church is closed, actually we found more people were able to watch online and hear about Jesus. In our uh, my particular small group, our house group, uh, we found that uh, more people were, were more able to come along online when normally other things mean it's very hard for them to. And perhaps when uh, things were hard, things were uh, the churches were closed, we identified just a little more with those Christians both here in the UK and around the world who regularly aren't able to go to a church, whether because of their circumstances or because they live in a country where there is no church for them to go to. Maybe we just glimpsed a little more the situation they are in. So there is real encouragement here. He's saying Jesus can work in any situation. So as we go into this autumn, if things get tighter, we must look and weigh up and see. But there is also a challenge here. This only works, doesn't it, if Jesus is your top priority. It only works if Jesus is your top priority. Paul can think this way. Because that's exactly true of him. Jesus was his focus, his main priority, his top priority. He wanted to think about how he could serve Jesus better, how he could help others love Jesus better. And if Jesus isn't your or my top priority, I imagine most of what I've said up until now will not make sense. Most of what I've said will not make sense. And, for example, if the church closes, I will just get frustrated. Uh, or if things get harder and uh, life for us here or in any sphere that you're involved in gets tighter and more difficult, we'll get frustrated, we'll get irked. Can we copy this way of thinking? Paul has come alongside them. This week, when your gut response to something is, oh, that's just awful. Can you weigh it up? Can you find what is excellent? Can you look through a Jesus lens, when uh, perhaps uh, things at college uh, do get you down a little, when things in your workplace do are frustrating, can you weigh them up? Can you look for what is excellent? Can you see through a Jesus lens?